0: Hello, I'm delighted you've joined me. This is John Martin, and I give you, as always, a warm welcome as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with your teacher, Brian Johnston. Today, Brian brings you study number four in this series about salvation. And Brian will be looking into the scriptures again to see if there's any evidence that a Christian could profess Christ as their savior, but still be lost. Today, Brian's chosen to discuss another question. This time, it's, Are good works required for salvation? And here's Brian to discuss it. Thanks, John. Not all commentators,
1: including some very notable ones, have been kind to James, the apostle who wrote a Bible letter found towards the back of our Bibles. His lack of focus on the person of Christ or on the person of the Holy Spirit are among the reasons usually quoted. But then there's the added charge that his theology may be suspect, as it seems to run counter or contrary to Paul's, especially in the matter of faith and works. We'll begin then by posing the question, is James preaching salvation by God's grace alone, or is he preaching salvation by works? The section that's caused confusion for at least some people is found in James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. James says there, What use is it, my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? Then having asked the question, James proceeds to give four answers, the first of which highlights a practical absurdity. Let James take it up from here. Chapter 2, verse 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Obviously, the intended answer to the question, what's the use of withholding practical help, is no use at all. Remember, the bigger question under consideration is, Can faith without works save anyone? The faith, if we can call it that, that simply dismisses a destitute brother or sister without giving practical assistance, meaning faith without works, is not real faith at all. God is a God of means. Practical help is no faith killer, but the absence of such support is a denial of true or real faith. Now, James brings us answer number two by considering two competing challenges. This is chapter 2, verse 18. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. The first thing here is about being asked how we could show faith without producing works as a supporting evidence of that faith. And the second thing is about showing works as the real evidence of the faith behind them. These head-to-head challenges distinguish between what's real and what's only hot air or empty words. We can conclude that the faith that saves is real faith that's able to be displayed through faith-motivated actions. If we've nothing to show for the faith we claim to have, then neither is there any faith there. No works, no faith. Next, or thirdly, James employs an extreme example when he says, in chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognise that faith without works is useless? I called it an extreme example, and it is. Do demons believe? Yes, in the sense that they intellectually know that God exists. But does that faith save them? No, it doesn't, and neither would you expect it to. A mere awareness of the facts, a mental assent to the truth, is not what faith is all about. Faith, real faith, truly exists when you act on the facts. The fourth and final response James gives to the question of whether faith without works is saving faith is to quote some historical examples of faith from two famous lives in the Bible. Here's what he says from verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let's take that example of Abraham, because it's the one where people have sensed that James is saying something different from Paul. James quotes Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, as does Paul, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. This is from part of Abraham's story long before the most famous event in Abraham's life when he was prepared to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. We know chapter 15 is a long time before this because Isaac wasn't even born back then when we're told Abraham's faith was the basis for him being reckoned as righteous by God. But when God tested the genuineness of his faith years later By asking him to sacrifice his precious, long-awaited son, Abraham so trusted God that he wouldn't hold back anything precious. Of course, God would never have let him go through with the act of killing his son. It was simply a test in which God knew Abraham's faith would triumph. In that sense, he was justified by his works, only in the sense that his work of being prepared to offer his son, proved the real faith that he previously had. As James said, you see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. We need to understand that James is not contrasting faith with works, as to which may save us. We know from Paul's biblical writings that the answer is clear. We are saved or justified by faith. James' point is totally consistent with that. What he tells us is that a mere professed faith can't save us. Only a real faith can. And what's more, any real faith will inevitably be vindicated by works, being the actions which stem from our faith. Someone has put it this way. James here is using the word justify in a different sense from the way Paul uses it. James uses it in the more or less everyday sense in which we might use it, whereas Paul uses it in a technical and biblical sense of being declared not guilty, more than that, of being declared righteous. James, as we say, by contrast, uses it here in the sense of us when we talk of justifying our beliefs or justifying our opinions. For example, if things turn out as we suspected they might, we would feel justified in the sense of our view being vindicated by how events turned out. It's only through our faith in Christ that the Bible tells us we are justified in God's sight and so ready for heaven. Only faith, but it must be real faith, not an empty profession. In the 19th century, there was a tight-rope stunt artist known professionally as the Great Blondin. In 1859, he was the first person to walk across on a 335-metre rope suspended high over the water of the Niagara Falls in Canada, which plunged down far below him. On one occasion, he asked the crowd, how many of you believe that I, the great Blondin, can not only walk back across that tight rope, but this time do it while I push a wheelbarrow? Again they cried, We believe, we believe. Then he asked, How many of you really believe it? Oh, we really believe it, they shouted back. One man, a little more enthusiastic than the others, caught the great Blondin's eye. Pointing to the man, he said, If you really believe then get in the wheelbarrow, the man quickly disappeared. The difference between what we say we believe and what we really do believe shows up in our actions. It's striking, you know, that Paul bookends his letter to the Romans with an identical phrase, which is the obedience of faith. For example, Romans 1 verse 5. He begins by saying he'd received apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles. This was the goal of Paul's preaching. The ending of Paul's letter to the Romans contains the same expression in chapter 16, verse 26, the preaching of Jesus Christ leading to obedience of faith. Such a thing as easy believism, in other words, just believe, wasn't known to Paul. The gospel, once accepted should shape our whole life. Greek authority Robertson says of both these occurrences at the beginning and end of Romans that this is the obedience which springs from faith. Faith, self-renouncing trust in Jesus Christ is obedience to the gospel command to believe on the Lord Jesus for salvation. And that faith in Jesus Christ initiates a believer into a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. Faith is not mere notional assent to biblical propositions. Real faith always has works of obedience. It's faith alone that saves, but the faith that saves is not alone. When we walk-
0: So, I hope you enjoyed today's study. And remember, there's the transcript book of all the talks in this series, which you can obtain by downloading it at churchesofgod.info/media. Otherwise, you can write to us and ask for a hard copy book to be posted to you. Just ask for the book for this series about salvation. And don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our postal address search for truth hayes press the barn flaxlands royal wooden bassett swindon sn48dy uk and our email address is sft at churches dot info so it's been great to enjoy the pleasure of your company once again And I do hope you can join me next week when Brian will be addressing the question is it possible to fall away or otherwise lose our salvation? But now I must say goodbye but leave you with very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian, producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon and in the meantime we wish you God's richest blessings.
2: Amen.